What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a great one. We've got hot stove season with Anthony Sanfilippo, breaking down everything from Nola to Yamamoto to Hader to maybe even Otani. And then we've got at 1230, we've got Fran Dunphy, Big Five Philly coaching legend, Penn Temple Lestal. We're going to talk about the Big Five Classic in a pre-recorded interview coming up at 1230. Let's get into it right now. Kevin Gacade. Jumping on, Ant San Filippo. Jumping on, Ant. There he is, buddy. How I've already talked to Kincaid enough today. How you doing, buddy? Wait, wait. You're having me on to talk about baseball. You didn't want to ask me about the 49ers after they beat up on Jacksonville last week. They beat a really good Jaguars team. You don't want to have me back on to ask me how you know if they're in trouble. I didn't know if that's why you were having me on or not. Jaguars are a losing franchise. Okay, just want, I was just checking. Just just checking. I, I just checking. Just checking. Loser franchise. Kincaid, are you worried about the San Francisco 49ers? No, no, but we're not talking about that today, Anthony. We're yeah. talking. That's why I, I, it's the only time you guys ever have me on, right? Turn the volume down your mic. Here, my mic, care of it. my mic volume is not loud. No, no, no. It's just yelling, at, yelling at Russ all the time that you freaking <laughs> – in the yeah, uh, in, in the in the uh, in the skies of the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, no, my gain is actually at a pretty good level, to be honest with you. Okay. Wait, well, Philly fan is saying, uh, I'm surprised Kevin didn't mention Preston and Steve had the Papa shot, but not with the city coaches after uh, Kyle Neptune stiffed them. Yeah, you remember that story last year where he didn't show up and there's like a big uh, kerfuffle or something about that. No. Yeah, we didn't ask about that. We should said, hey, what do you think about Kyle Neptune? You know, I got to I got to actually cover a Villanova game this year yeah how'd they look they look like shit not great i got to see them play lemoyne lemoyne <laughs> wait hang LeMoyne. on do you, know, do you know where lemoyne is kyle yeah new york yeah and you know and oh, a, oh, kev, no let me turn it back on kev kev do you know what the lemoyne's mascot is um it's like a dog or something no it's no, not it's not oh, you, it's were bird. you had it's the first bird. two you had the first two letters correct <laughs> It's an aquatic animal that's that's right near uh, upstate New York where Lemoyne are. It's the dolphins. The dolphins, yes. Lemoyne dolphins. Yeah, a lot of dolphins up there. And they're a Jesuit school. Mm. They are. Yeah, as a as a proud prep alum, I, I I say that you know. Oh, there's the prep shout out. Three, yeah. three minutes into the show here. That's all, it's all baby. I knew we can always find common ground. And that's, uh, <laughs> our Jesuit beliefs. Yeah. Lemoyne, uh, John Beeline, former Lemoyne coach, by the way. Was he really? For it. Yeah, that's where he started, right? Because it's in Syracuse. That. It's in Syracuse, right? It's near there, yeah. 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 So he would get his ass kicked by Bayheim every year, basically, to start a start out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like traditional How, whatever we're gonna I go get clobbered. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Villanova did not look great. They they I, I mean they won that game by twenty five points and they still didn't look good. And I was like, eh, and then, of course, Penn beats them. So, Don't tell the maestro. Well, I should get the maestro on to see how he's doing, you know, because I think he declared Villanova was back about a week ago, and then they went, went and lost to Penn. Yeah, he already wants to yeah. sell off the nursing school and other plots of land that they can give all the money <laughs> over to Jay Wright. <laughs> Seriously. He said, he, oh, said, yeah. he said, find a way to get $200 million and give it to Jay Wright. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, great. Kyle, you're getting some uh, shout-outs in the chat here about the crosswalk segment. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, the crosswalk segment was really uh, was fun. Um, what, go ahead. What I was going to ask you about that is, did anybody from the city say anything to you? No, man. The city doesn't. The city doesn't even know what it probably happened. They, they, we could have crosswalk. <laughs> we, we, I could actually probably start a crossing guard like 
uh, uh, be an entrepreneur and start a crossing guard business. Yeah. Have everyone stationed down Broad Street and the city would still not know. We don't even have a mayor right now. Like it's we're waiting unbelievable, for Sheryl Parker it? to get in the office. Like it's, we haven't had a mayor for three years. It's unbelievable to me that you could get away with what you got away with. And it was great. It was a great video. It was a great little bit that you did. But like that nobody said anything to you. <laughs> like, more of a you're out there. Service, you're in the middle of the street directing traffic. <laughs> and, and I was, my whistle was so loud. It was insane. <laughs> like I had cops pass me. I mean, cops got more bullshit to deal with than just me. Uh, but, uh, so good. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like, yeah, this is this is not anything uh this is typical philly right here they probably just looked at that and were like oh you know shrug of the shoulders or whatever listen when's the last time philadelphia government or anybody associated with the city responded to anything with brevity (laughs) i do like how we were getting kyle kyle and i were talking on slack and he's like he's like i may have to mute the responses here because like uh urban urban planning twitter was starting to find it and take it uh more seriously you know it's like well this is a just shows design flaws yeah this is dangerous this could have you know caused more it's like all right everybody just lighten up you know yeah i mean this was the most insane part i didn't even really get a good good clip of it but like those two cars turned at the exact same time left and i'm just like what is this city doing like going out there and actually being live for it like i am not shocked that kelly Oubre got hit I know it wasn't that main intersection. It was a block up. The the tra- the, the foot traffic wasn't wasn't going to be good enough, so I had to do it here. But I'm not I'm not surprised because it's an ins- it's an insane. Man, you almost got nailed by that biker, by the way. That yeah. biker, she sucked, man. She she actually flipped me off and almost <laughs> fell off her bike in the process. And I was just like, bikers are bikers are some of the worst ones too in this city. Um, yeah, well, that's another storyline too. I mean, the others, both sides will point fingers at each other. The the drivers will say that the bikers feel like they're entitled and they can do whatever they want, and the bikers will say that the drivers feel entitled and they can do whatever they want. I will say I haven't experienced this in a while. You know, uh, I've been in Lansdale now. There's no traffic issues in uh, in the Upper Gwinnett area, but I think yeah, like I said, I agree with that guy, man. You're doing God's work. You know, this is that's yeah. why I say this was more of a public service announcement. People yeah. call it a bit. I think it was a public service announcement. It's a combo. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a public um, service bit. Oh, there's the culprit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the police sketch. So if anyone sees yeah, that yeah, guy, yeah. please call the Philadelphia police. Yeah, and now so we have rough. people coming out of the woodwork with all their conspiracy theories about Kelly Oubre and if it was real, if it was mm. not, and everything. So yeah. it's kind of just taking on a life of its own. Um, well, we got to ask Ant about the Jalen Carter thing too before before the Dunphy interview too, because Ant will have a good perspective on on that. He, he's a he's a traditional big big J. Yeah, I do have to say too, by the way, that I my eyes feel much better looking at this screen than they did on the Sixers court last night. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, well, yeah. let's talk about that. Talk about that Jalen Carter thing r- real quick. We can get into that. I mean, we have we've yeah. enough we've enough time for hot stove season. Uh, Kev, if you want to take it, take it for me. Well, there was a rumor, I guess a tweet that went up on Monday saying that uh, Jalen Carter and his girlfriend were involved in some kind of shoplifting incident at Target. I guess the Target in South Philadelphia. And um, uh, no, the Target, I think it was in Rittenhouse Square. Oh, written at the Rittenhouse Target. Okay. Um, and there was, yeah, and I didn't see any. So, I mean, you sent that to me and we were just kind of keeping an eye on it. I didn't see any, you know, major media outlets report on mainstream media outlets. Like Action News didn't have anything on it. You know, uh, none of the. 
None of the blue check mark accounts. And then uh, Sergeant Mark, who posts um, with police information on Twitter, he he came out a couple hours later and said, OK, here's what happened. There was, uh, you know, they were in the self checkout. I think his girlfriend was ringing stuff up. He started to walk off and he was stopped. And I guess he's he said, uh, Mark, this is said that uh, the police were uh, he mouthed off to the police and that an Eagles person made a call and the whole thing just ended so again two days uh go on nothing really happened no nothing no other reports other than those tweets that we weren't sure if it was true or not it was just a twitter rumor and then uh, ej smith from the philadelphia inquirer was at a, a charity event a community event that jalen carter was holding last night tuesday night and he asked him about the the rumor and he said hey is there any truth to this and then ej says his uh the carter's agent and an eagles representative stepped in and basically uh, quashed or squashed the whole thing. Here's EJ quote. He says, I asked Carter about the social media rumors that he had an incident at a target in the city that led to police arriving. His agent and a team representative stepped in before he could answer, saying they'd prefer the focus of the evening stay on the event, end quote. So again, not a denial, right? I mean, they didn't come out and say, this is absolutely not true and whatever. I mean, obviously there's like no charges filed. Nothing nothing came through the, the police, right? But uh, EJ was getting a ton of shit from people in response to that saying, why did you ask him about this at a charity event for kids? Um, the, the Look, these are public events that these individuals who are public figures are attending. So any question is really fair game. Um, you don't normally go to an event like that, you know, and have that be the first kind of question that you're asking. Like you, you, you probably should, from the journalistic perspective, start off with, you know, talking about the event. Like when you have a guest on the show, right? If they're if they're if they wrote a book or whatever, or they're doing something for charity, you usually get the that stuff out of the way first like it's exactly what we did with b doc right uh, last week or earlier this yeah. week, right it was like hey you know we have this promotion with the card with specter sports all right tell us all about it and then like at the end of it we'll ask you a couple of eagles questions too you know and that's right. basically like that's it's just like an unwritten rule i mean there's no handbook yeah. on like how you do these things but how many right. times have we been to these kinds of things it's like tell us about the community event tell us about the charity thing the tv stations get what they need the newspapers get what they need oh yeah and by the way what do you think of the chiefs coming up right yeah, exactly. And so like, so now I don't know what other questions were asked in the, in the, um, you know, it doesn't really say with EJ Smith's tweets, I guess. So I don't know if there was questions about the event itself first. Um, but assuming there were, or either way, it doesn't matter. I mean, he has a right to ask that question. It's a public event and the guys, you know, involved in that. And so to me, it's, it's fair. It's totally a fair question. And the Eagles shutting the Eagles spokesperson shutting it down um, and the agent stepping in. I'm like, that's just, that's not good. Like to me, you should have, even if they step in and say, we want to just focus on the event. Okay, fine. Give me an answer. Sarah, you don't want him to answer that publicly. I get it. I understand, but I'm not leaving until I get an answer. Even if we step off to the side and have that, that comment. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, from a guy who's, you know, obviously never done anything uh, big J in his life. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of on one, one side of the fence where it's like, well, it's a charity event. Can we just ask him in the locker room? And then I see that answer and I'm like, dude, you guys didn't have a, a statement prepared. Like, I, know, I know you saw it. I know it went everywhere yeah. on, on Twitter. Big Don was probably the guy who had to call, you know, to get him out of the police, uh, 
yeah. to get, get him out of target okay. It's just it makes no sense for them not to have at least something um something prepared. But then again, I also feel like this kid, he's been through a lot, yeah. obviously, with the with the fatal car crash and everything. Yeah. I feel like he's caught and he had that thing with Ruben Frank, you know, uh once he got drafted, Ruben said, Hey, he didn't seem like he was uh that uh that sad about it all when they asked him and stuff. So I think the kid's kind of probably like, I'm tired of answering these damn questions and stuff. Well, I'm well, here to do something here. good and I'm here to get my image up and everything and like, yeah i'm helping people out but here's here's the problem this is not a, a, a knock on jalen carter this is just the this is just the way things are in sports these days it, it's gotten to the point now and i think covid really exacerbated it but they've really become it's gotten to the point where the teams control narratives now on everything you can you you talk to the players when we tell you to talk to the players, and we, you talk to the coaches when we tell you to talk to the coaches. It's not like it used to be, where we used to just walk in and just go up to whoever we wanted to go up to and have conversations with whoever we wanted to have conversations with. Um, all those things are kind of out the window. Those those days are practically gone in all of sports, and so so I think that the the athletes they get a little bit of a, this a little bit of an entitlement that I don't have to answer certain questions at certain times I only have to answer them when I am scheduled to and you're coached to answer things a certain way in those moments at those times and then that's it and so I think what that ends up happening is is that you get to this situation and it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. we didn't agree on you asking it well, you don't have to agree that's the whole point that's EJ Smith's doing a good job as a reporter to ask that question in that moment, because guess what? You're not prepared for it. Right. And that's when you're going to get a real answer as opposed well, to something that's, that's, prepared. I mean, it's just, you know what it does. And it's like when you, when you place that vacuum there, it just allows other people to fill the vacuum. You're like, there's no denial. There's no statement or anything. So, okay, maybe there's something to it. I mean, they could have just come out and said, listen, there's a misunderstanding. Um, you know, we had a conversation with the police, everything was sorted out and we're moving forward from there. I mean, that probably would have just shut it down. It's right. I, I, yeah. So I don't understand that kind of PR approach because you know, it's coming. Everybody knows it's coming. I'm looking at EJ's um, page on the inquiry here. I don't see anything written about the event. Uh, it looks like the last thing he wrote was on November 10th. I mean, it could have been, you know, just a social media thing or it could have been whatever. Maybe something wasn't published. Maybe he was, maybe he's maybe he was going right. just for that quote. It could, it could have, but but I, I get I try to you know give the benefit of the doubt to fans too. I try to understand how fans are looking at it, and they say like you know because their issue was a time and place thing. You know, it wasn't really an issue of like is this a legitimate question. I think everybody probably agrees that like hey, there's a rumor out there. Can you squash the rumor and speak to the rumor? That's a legitimate question. Well, they just didn't like the forum in which. So was so I'll say this to fans who 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 complain about that. How many times do you see? I'll give you the White House as an example. They have an event where it's like, oh, so this diplomat from this country came in and shook hands and took pictures <laughs> with the president. Yeah, right. Blah, blah, blah. Easter egg hunt yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right. Now we're open to questions. Do you think they're asking them about the the whatever the, Easter egg Easter hunt? Right? Egg hunt? Well, no, now we're right. getting insane. Now we're talking about Joe Biden and his and his. And no, his but it's it doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter who. Who just runs people over. Oh, that was a, <laughs> no. that was a, that was a, a guy who uh, pancakes people. <laughs> for a living and sacks the quarterback. Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, no, I get the point that Anthony is trying to make, though. Yeah. If you have the uh, president of Qatar over, you know, yeah, and you like do some like bullshit tree lighting ceremony, and then it's like, oh, yeah, what about the, um, you know, the oil of uh, exports or whatever? Like, is that off? Like, off like if, I, if I'm a reporter for any news outlet, <laughs> right, do they give a shit what the what that that little press availability is about? That's not a story. 
It's like a little, yeah. you mention it in your story. They got together for this, but yeah. here's what, what really went on. Here's what was asked. You, know, you understand how fans, how fans think. Like there's like a, just, there's just a legion of fans now who just hate the media. Well, of course you they think do. that they all suck and like, they're yeah. just, they don't care about the kids or something. I'm like, I, I yeah. <laughs> time and place, time and place. And yeah, it's you know what? No. Go find out where Marvin Harrison junior or who, who's, is it Marvin Harrison's little brother? Juniors at Ohio state. Why don't we know where he's going yet in college? You mean you're a kid? Being, you're not being a reporter that, then? Because he's in he's in seventh grade. So he's Where's not going to know five? where he wants to go to college in seventh grade. What's top five, and I wanted to go to Duke. Look at me. I went to Temple. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you weren't even recruited by the guy who's going to be the guest on the show next. So no, I was not. No. <laughs> Well, not. this is the good. This is a good thing because we kind of straddle the line between media and not media, so we can claim we're media when it's beneficial, and then when it's not beneficial, we just say, "Well, we're not media." Yeah. You know, so it's nice to have that flexibility. Um, anyway, moving it on to, uh, I, I, so listen, I tried to watch. I, I did watch the Sixers game last night. I ended up going on three different screens. I started watching it on my phone, and I was like, "I can't, I can't." Well, you had to do three different screens because the this court was so bad. Not necessarily just because of the core. Like we all usually start watching a game on my phone because the girls are still up and they have and they're watching like Dora the Explorer on the big TV. I seed the eighty-five inch TV to my kids and I watch the Sixers on my phone. And then when we put them yeah. down, then I switch to the yes, I reclaim my. Um, but it, it you don't was need Dora to be backpack backpack on eighty-five inches. What does your child need? You need to it's see boots. Child. You need to see boots as boots. That's your like kid's not even eighty-five inches. I like my girls to have things that I did not have growing up, which was watching, uh, you know, Sesame Street on the 85 inch. So you're like watching on like a six inch screen like this. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, Me and my that, wife are sitting on the couch. Going like is that is that Robert Covington or Daniel House in right now? Well, I right, So listen, here's the thing. Like when we talked about the courts, I like on the show whenever I was like, all right, I have something different, something new. I'm, I'm all for trying different things, right? I couldn't I, like I had to take a like an ibuprofen at halftime because I felt like my I felt like there was there's um we need an optometrist on the show. I felt like I was trying to there's too much to focus on. Like my eyes were straining trying to follow everything. Um I mean look at that. I, I put this up on the site. I just posted this story like a half hour ago. But like look at the the yellow circles there. Those are like reflections. You can see the reflections of the players popping off the blue there. Yeah. Um, so you've got the red, you've got the blue. And first of all, the stripe hits right around the elbow where a ton of action happens, right? Right in the middle of the floor. You've got the two extra colors that are put in the little trophy design that end up in the key there. And I'm just like, there's too like much to like my eyes are just straining and trying to like like narrow down what is worth focusing on here. Craig, if you can scroll down to the next one then. Um now look at that. Right. You can I have a circle there where you can barely see the guy's legs in the in the refraction, right? So it's like it just there's there's in the normal court, there's just less to focus on. You know, it's just easier for me to follow the action, follow the ball, see what's going. I felt too, I don't know, I just felt like distracted watching it the whole time. Does that make sense? It does a little bit. I don't know why they wore the navy blue uniforms. I know it's kind of going off the brotherly love court and stuff. Um, because they when they were in that little uh strip of uh of, of paint, um, they blend in with the uh with the court, which was they do, they kind of, yeah, because they were wearing they were matching the dark color with their uniforms, right? So mm -hmm. the painters were popping everywhere. And I'm like, okay, I gotta like back up and like open my eyes here to see like you know, right, because the because yeah, I see Embiid's white socks, but like I mean his whole torso blends in with the with I will the, say I did see some people on Twitter saying the court in person was a lot better than it was apparently on TV. 
I would believe that because I think a lot of the problem that I had was like the movement, you know, the camera going back and forth. And again, look at the, like the reflection of the legs there. So I think there was extra, I think you saw extra stuff on TV to add it to the eye strain that you probably didn't see in person. You know, cause you have, a, if you're sitting there in person, you got a fixed view, mm -hmm. right? You're looking at the same damn thing from the same angle every time. And I just, I don't know. I, I watched a couple other games and I think the Lakers court was okay. Cause the yellow was like the dominant one. And then like the blue is in the middle, but I just, I had, such a hard time like straining to to follow it i uh, farzetta did like a joke post or something where he like removed the colors from his tv entirely so he was watching it in like black and white or or something like that and it uh <laughs> actually looked nicer than um th than that but I, I oh by the way the game itself um i don't know what the hell Embiid was doing down the stretch he had the weird traveling call he had that horrible three that he chucked up i know they're not going to win them all but um you know the execution down the stretch was was pretty shitty last night and he doesn't want to win the tournament. That's what it is. I, I, but like, why would they? Why would they do that? Why would they schedule the in-season tournament where you know they're not allowed to sit guys because the, the NBA will find them, and then have a national game against Boston today? I if, I would love to see Nick Nurse just give the middle finger to the NBA and play both Tyrese Maxey and both uh, Joel Embiid like twenty minutes tonight. Yep. It'd be awesome. Well, people, people making the argument that the Celtics game is more important than the in-season tournament game, and they both count towards the standings, toward the regular yeah. standings. So I don't, I don't, I didn't feel like people were telling the complete story when they were like talking about that. You, know? you don't, you don't think that that was the NBA saying, "Screw you, we know you're going to have a back-to-back, -back and you're going to probably want to sit a guy, so you can't sit him for the tournament, but you're not going to sit him against the Celtics either." Ridiculous. So it's like you got to play both. Ha ha ha! I think that's what it is. And then just just listening to Kate Nala try to like, hey, they win five thousand. $500,000. Hey, the first people that'll have their names inscribed on the tournament, the in-season tournament trophy. Like, oh the in-season tournament trophy might not even be here in five, five years. <laughs> like, five? You give it five? I'm not convinced it goes five. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it. it's funny. It's a funny bit. We want the cup. We want the cup. But now, like, we lost. So, like, now I don't care. Now I don't care about the in-season tournament. It, 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 it's, nobody it, cares. Nobody cares. Anybody who says they care is just doing it for fun. Nobody cares. It's dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, stupid. it's only a half measure. I mean, like when you watch like the FA Cup in soccer or something, it's a completely different competition. Yes. Yeah, and they involve the teams from the lower leagues. And so it's interesting to see like Division Three, uh, you know, pick a team, Charlton Athletic, get a crack at Chelsea. Right. I mean, you can't, yeah. you can't do that in the NBA because we don't have division. I mean, all the G League teams are affiliated with the NBA. So what are we going to have the Blue Coats play the Lakers? Yeah. Uh, you know, it just does. And then you have affiliates running into their parent clubs if they win. So it's, I understand what they're trying to do. They just can't, they can't execute it. It's, um, it, yeah. It's kind of, it kind of has in a way parallels to what we're going to talk about with Fran Dunphy, the big five classic in a way. It just has to make sense. Like the big five will come back if every team's good and they start recruiting from Philly and keeping, you know, high recruits home or recruiting recruits and uh, getting high recruits to come and, and buy in. Um, but until then, it's it's not going to matter anything. Until this tournament actually means something, it's not going to to actually matter in a way. So, yeah, I, I, this is, I give them I, again. It's the same thing with the courts. So I give them credit for trying something do, new and wanting to do something different. But they can't they can't execute it the way they went. They said straight up that part of the influence was European soccer and cup competitions, right? But but the fundamental thing that makes it different is that it involves the entire pyramid. And there is no right. basketball pyramid. We, our pyramid is college. You know, it's amateur versus professional. They have professional lower levels and higher levels of professional. We only have one level of professional here. You know, so you can't, you just cannot, there's just no way to do it the way that they think that they want to do it. Mm -hmm. Let's get in the hot stove. And, oh, yeah. 
forgot about that. That's why we, that's why I originally brought you on. <laughs> Not for big J questioning and uh, yeah. what do you think about the uh, the Sixers <laughs> court, but I appreciate you being there and, and yeah, taking no it. Um, hot stove season. It's heating up. We've had Aaron Nola linked to maybe every single team who needs a pitcher. Mm-hmm. We've got Josh Hader linked to the Phillies. We've got Yamamoto. Yoshi yeah. Yamamoto. Oh, you got a lot of you're throwing a lot at me at once. Um, no, 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 you take it wherever you want. What's well, your, what's your uh, most interesting storyline you're looking at right now? Well, obviously, the most interesting storyline is is Nola and what you do if you, he doesn't sign here. Um, and I'm not convinced that the Phillies are going to go after uh, Blake Snell, which I think I see a lot of people suggesting is is a thing that's going to happen. I don't think they like Blake Snell. I don't think that they like the fact that he's only had two seasons in his entire career of more than 130 innings. Um, just so happened to be the two seasons he's going to win the Cy Young. Uh, but he's not a guy who throws a lot of innings. He walks a ton of batters, um, only gives you usually five five and two-thirds, and that's it, and he's out. So if you felt that the bullpen was overused at times last year, well, guess what? If Blake Snell would only overuse it more. So I don't think that's a thing. Um I, I think that you might. I think that you might see the Phillies if they don't sign Nola, and I, I'm convinced that it's getting to the point where they're not going to because I, I do think teams are going to give him. They're going to overpay. Somebody's going to overpay for him, and the Phillies, looking at what, saying, well, what do we need to win the World Series? We need. We can't pay all that money and then go get the other things that we need. Um, doesn't make sense. Plus, you have kids coming. You got to sign Wheeler after after the season. There's a lot of things that have to get done. Um, I think that they might go with two pitchers, two starters, just a little bit further down the money chain that are still good pitchers. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Jordan Montgomery, who pitched for Texas in the World Series, did a nice job. I think he's the kind of a pitcher who might fit better into this plan. And then even maybe a guy like Sonny Gray, even though he's 34, you probably don't have to sign him to anything with length because of his age. So you might be able to get two guys that you can put into that rotation that you would feel comfortable with uh, to replace Nola. And I think that that's – and knowing that you have kids coming and Painter in 25 and Mick Abel at some point, um, and you got to sign, re-sign Wheeler. So I think that that's a, a better plan um, if you're not bringing Nola back. Is that like how, um, um, There's two questions there. Go ahead. Oh, wait, wait. Wait. No, wait. you go ahead, Pagan. I will, I will follow up. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Is that enough firepower to get back to the NLCS, maybe World well, Series run? Well, there's got to do more. I mean, there's going to be more involved, right? I mean, so you, you mentioned Hater. I don't think Hater's coming here. Um, and the reason that Hater, the reason you're not going to bring in Josh Hader is because the Phillies don't believe in giving somebody a specific closer's role. And Josh Hader has not pitched before the ninth inning since I don't know how it's been forever. Yeah. Josh Hader um, would not be liked here. I saw I I didn't know about this, but like he doesn't like doing four inning saves, and he doesn't like coming in before the ninth. And I I could not see how this fan base would take that. No, I, I and I nor do I think he's a guy that comes here. But I do think that they're going to look to add to the bullpen. I just think it will be somebody else that could be kind of more of that, you know, who's willing to be in a more of a flexible role. Um, plus, you got Kirkering coming, you know, who's going to have a full season with you this year, so that'll be a little bit different as well. And I think they're going to add an outfielder. I really do. Um, you know, the talk of Castellanos, while while it was discussed at the GM's meetings, I, I do firmly believe that his name was was discussed. I think it was more of a situation where it had to really make sense on both sides. And I, the Phillies don't want to eat money, and I don't think anybody wants to take on three years, sixty million. 
for Castellanos. So he's going to be here, but I do think you might see somebody else kind of be out in, in left field next year. Um, a right-handed bat with some power, maybe like I like a Hunter Renfro is a name that I've, I've kind of had heard mentioned. I think that that's one that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Adam Duvall, who was the name that was brought up at the deadline last year, didn't get moved. I thought that that's a name that makes sense. So I think that's what the Phillies are going to do. How would that work? We already have a team full of DHs. No, no, no. They're going to bring in somebody who could play left field. Yeah, and like then a, that would like be a position players. Players. Oh, is in right. Yeah, Cascanos is in right. And I think Marsh is going to start the year in center um, with a platoon with Pache. And I think Rojas is going to start in AAA. Unless Rojas has some kind of, you know, big growth in in his uh, batting in the offseason and then going into spring training to make them say, well, we love his defense enough that we can put him back in the lineup. But you saw in the playoffs where he was exposed. And so I think that he needs more seasoning as a hitter and wouldn't be surprised if he starts the year down in AAA. So I think it'll be Marsh and Pache as your center fielders bring in a free agent to play left field. Uh, Castiano stays in right. Obviously, Harper's at first, and Schwarber's your DH. Two observations about hot stove stup- slash uh, stupid season. Number one, I like how Jim Salisbury has been out of the game for like a full year, and he just casually pops up on WIP with the Yamamoto thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I, <laughs> yeah, but that's great. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, look, and, and I, I don't think that he's it's a compliment to him. I, I'm really complimenting yeah. him because I, he's still probably more plugged in than anybody. You know, well, more than the only other people that would be more as plugged in as him are, are you know, Gelb and Zalecki. I would mm-hmm. say, right? And, yeah. and that's it. I mean, that's yeah. really it. Um, and I think Yamamoto is obviously interesting, um, because he's 25, and you know, he's but he's gonna, and he's going to get big money, and the Phillies should be part of that conversation. The question is. Does Yamamoto want to go come here, or would he rather be either West Coast, New York? I mean, usually players from from mm. Japan, that's yeah. where they want to go. And yeah. you know, it, it would be nice for the Phillies to get involved in that. And I think that they will try, but I'm not convinced that they're going to be the team that is able to bring him home. Not because they don't have the the wherewithal, but because of the player preference. I think it will be to either be West Coast or New York. Does visit Philly have to do better marketing in Japan? So that these guys are like, oh, my God, you know, you see all the time in Japan and Asia. That's always the Yankee hey, hat. It's always the I, I got a great hat. idea. This is the trip. You go on a trip. You and go. You and Craig go do a man on the street. Man in Japan. The, yeah, man on the street. There are a lot the, of a lot of people in Japan to work with to yeah. find out how many of them may like the Phillies as okay. their favorite Major League Baseball team all and right. compare yeah. that and see and do like a comparison. I think that will tell us right away whether the Phillies should go invest in Japan or not. Kev, can I get that expensed? Uh, man, yeah, man on the street, Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> Tokyo edition. Might be some uh, language issues over there, but I think it would be a great video. I don't know. I, well, we can put it into the expense form <clears throat> and see what comes out. But uh, yeah, we'll see if Mirror Light sponsors it or not. We don't know how big. Maybe Mirror Light has to grow their footprint over in Japan, too. Maybe, um, you know, fans of Philly could get us out there or something, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. We could kind of get a twofer and we could do a video on the side. I, you know, I just think it's like funny because, um, <clears throat> you know, obviously the NBA offseason is going to be the biggest shit show on the planet with all the rumors and, and stuff, right? But yeah. Major League Baseball is not far behind in my mind. I, you know, one week apart, we have Fine Sand come out and say, well, the Phillies are interested. I have a source who says the Phillies are interested in trading Cassianos. Buster only comes out one week, one week later and says, my source says that they're not interested in doing it. I don't I like, I just, I don't know why baseball hot stove just seems to, 
I don't know what question I'm asking. Like, are there people that we should trust? I mean, I remember because I go back to the whole Bryce Harper thing of like 2019 or whatever. I felt like I was I was just doing a different rumor from a different writer every single day. I don't know if anybody actually knew anything. I guess my question is, does any MLB reporter know anything about anything? So it's interesting that you say this because I actually was having a text conversation with Bob last week. And I, I literally said to him, you have to wonder sometimes the only sport that's worse with rumors is hockey. Shit gets out all the time in baseball that never comes to fruition and from national reporters, too. It's not like it's Joe Blogger and hockey putting something out there that goes viral. Yeah, yeah. Like and, John, and I, John Morosi going on a two-minute thing on MLB yeah. Network. Like, does he have to fill time? He's talking about so, Otani going to the Braves. And like, he, is there- <laughs> Here's why I think it's that way. I, I think that you look at football, who do you think of? Schefter. Schefter. Yeah. Is there anybody else? I mean, it's Schefter, right? Uh, a rap sheet, maybe. Rap sheet, yeah. yeah, but I mean, one or two. Okay. Field think basketball, who is it? Woj and Shams. Woj and Shams. That's it, yeah. right? Um, even in hockey, it's it's Drager. really it's and, and San Filippo in hockey, oh, baby. For, it's only for the only for the Flyers. Drager and Elliot, Elliot Friedman. Right. Yeah. So it's two guys, right? Yeah. How many of them are there in baseball? There's a lot. Jeff there's Passan, Moro- baby. There's the difference. Yeah, but Morosi, the Heyman, Jeff Passan, uh, Buster Nightingale. These guys, oh, like like Passan's like really the only guy that I feel is consistent. You know, Heyman's got his stuff where he just always steps over himself, can't even put a tweet together without spelling something wrong. You've got Nightingale, who's kind of I don't want to call him a laughing stock, but he's had his things where it's like that never came to fruition and stuff. Hassan's yep. like really the only guy I trust. That's kind of why I was looking at this Buster Oni thing. And I was like, that came from Buster Oni 10 years ago with his Nick Cassiano stuff. I'd believe it. I'm not saying he doesn't have any sources and everything, but like, was that more like damage control that the Phillies are doing? Cause nobody bit on the whole Nick Cassiano's thing. Well, no, what I, what I really think it was, is I really think so. what, what happens is, is there's a, you know, I'm sure there's a group chat or there's an email chain or something that Dave Dombrowski is on and, you know, and, and everybody's like saying, okay, you know, who are you listening to today? Who are you listening on today? If, or if, if I was to make this player available, what would you can think of this? Blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, people go back and forth and there's conversation. So I'm sure that they do, they do due diligence like this on every player. Right. But I mean, if there's one that really like conversation starts to develop over multiple teams and, you know, the GM answers and back and forth, I think that's how that kind of stuff sneaks out a little bit. Right that it gets out oh well you know they were there was conversations about nick castellanos well yeah sure sure there were but the question is is how far does that really go it's like could we conceive a way of of putting this team together without nick yeah but are we comfortable leaving the team together with nick sure we are and so i think that that's really what it is is like a conversation very basic conversation was out there and then they came out and said, yeah, we're not going to move them. We heard what we, you know, we've listened. We don't like what's being offered. So we're done. Well, yeah, it all depends on how you classify things. You could say, well, there was a police incident with Jalen Carter. Well, what was the police incident? Well, his girlfriend scanned some shit at Target or forgot. I've, yeah. I've, I've definitely <laughs> stolen something from an Acme before by accident. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I don't, I, yeah. Again, it could, it's, uh, you know, there's truth in that. Yes, there was a, the police were involved in an altercation, but yeah. I don't know. It's just funny how, how you feel like a lot of loose information gets out there with, with uh, MLB. You know, it's, it'll never be like the shit show of the NBA and, yeah, everybody on yeah. Twitter is thinking a guy is going to a different place. At, I still think there's uh, – but I think it's good for baseball. Why not? You know, people talk about it. Look yeah. at everything. Yeah. I hate to say it, man, but every single time we throw some stupid thing up on the website, like Reporter X says that 
player X might go here. I mean, that's like 10,000 clicks right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, like, I hate to say it, but like, I'm not the one clicking on it. That's just how the readers behave, you know, because they like the juicy shit. You know, I think I think baseball, national baseball reporters have become like weathermen. They get it right most of the time, but they miss a lot too. And so, but it's okay. You're going to keep checking in with them because they're the ones that are going to tell you. It's yeah. an inexact science. Yeah. yeah. You know, right. Uh, reporting, sourced reporting and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ann, anyway. I, I appreciate it uh, for you coming on last minute yeah. and everything, talking hot stove. Um, no can we get a quick prediction for you from, uh, for Birds Chiefs on Monday? I'm, I'm going to take KC in a close one. Of course, and, and San Francisco going to take KC. No, I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. The Chiefs defense has been playing really well, which surprised me. I didn't think that they had a great defense coming into this season. Um, and they, well, I think they were what, giving up like what, 16 points a game, I think it is this year. It's, so it's not that much. Um, so I, I, I just think that it's going to be a, one of those games is going to be close. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to be a good defensive game in all honesty. Um, but I'll go, I'll go, can I'll go something like uh, Kansas city 23, 20. Okay. Yeah. All right. All I think right. I initially thought the chiefs were going to win and that. And then when we learned that Patrick Mahomes is playing every week with his shitty drawers, I, I flipped it to the, uh, to the, Eagles. plus I think Kelsey is distracted by Taylor mm-hmm. Swift. I think he's going to drop a big pass. Mm-hmm. Um, this know, is, this is the week where uh, NFL fans turn against Taylor, at least in Kansas city. Well, I'm not saying, look, I put intern Grace on an assignment. I need you to analyze Taylor's fandom and what she does for this game. I don't think she's going to, I don't know if she's going to fly back from Brazil to be in Kansas City or whatever. Um, And it's not that big of a deal, but if she doesn't pull for the birds in this one, then she's a fucking traitor. Uh, She's a fraud if she doesn't pull for the, she's a legit fraud. Yeah, yeah. You can't can't be an Eagles fan for your entire life. Your father (laughs) lived here for 50 plus years, grew up in Bryn Mawr, Eagles fan. He gets caught with a, with a chiefs lander on the other day. He's high-fiving the best player on their team, you know, week uh, during chiefs week. This is fraudulent behavior. She doesn't wear it. Do you think though, do you think though that it's, it's interesting that her tour when it was, it's it's scheduled that there is five days off between Mm -hmm. shows Sunday, she performs, but then doesn't perform again until the following Friday in Brazil. She has five days off in between. That's an easy fly home to Kansas City, fly back to Brazil kind of of schedule. Yeah, it's not a hard flight either. At least I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of one one stop maybe, you know, but it's not like she's flying back from Australia. I think she'll I I think uh, if there's odds on her being there, I would take the I would take that bet. I would too. With ESPN bet, uh, promo code broad if you want to sign. Yeah. It is in the, I mean, it is in the link in the description. She's got to be sitting there with with Donna Kelsey and wearing the wearing the two, like the half brother, half the other brother shirt kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe she has an Eagles hat and a Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs jacket or whatever she's going to do. I think she's going to be wearing both. Yeah. All right. Anything on the Water Dogs, Ant? Are you eight for eight? Are you a real for- Philly sports fan? Uh, no, I got nothing on the water. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. <laughs> Anytime, Pagan. I can't wait. I can't wait for uh, you to have me on, uh, you know, Eagles Niners week. I'm uh, sure I can't wait for Eagles one. Niners week. That's going to be, be a good one. That'll be a good one. Are you going to Are you going to call into the radio station again in San Francisco that week? Maybe I will. I think you should. I think you that should might be old Kyle, Kyle, though. That that Twitter account got got nuked. Kyle from San Francisco's nuked. So yeah, yeah. Maybe you can, uh, you can have a new name or something. 
I turn Child over a new leaf. Santa, Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm, yeah. I'm I'm Kyle from LA. I'll, I'll call in. I got a Georgia area code, so nobody knows it's a Pennsylvania. Like whatever. Maybe they <laughs> can my name or whatever. Yeah, Kevin from Augusta. You're on the line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hi. Hey guys. I just want to know why you your fans stab each other in the In and Out Burger. You have any yeah. thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. Look, we yell at people sometimes, but nobody's ever stabbed, and Eagles fans don't stab each other at the Wawa. So. That's right. That's right. I'll give him any ideas. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah. I know you want to play your uh, Fran Dunphy interview. Yeah. So I, yeah. I get Fran up, here. Yeah. Fran up here. Yeah. Get out of here. We got we got things to do. Yeah. Legends to talk to. All right. <laughs> See you. See you, buddy. See you, All right. That's what we're going to do. We have Coach Fran Dunphy, LaSalle, head coach, former temp- Temple, former Penn, Big Five legend. We have him coming up. We're talking a little bit about the uh, the Big Five Classic. If we can get back to its prominence, talk a little mustaches. It's a good interview, uh, pre-recorded, like the B-Doc one was. Um, and we will be back on uh, in a little bit. Joined by a two-time A-10 Coach of the Year, a two-time AAC Coach of the Year, 17 tournament appearances, and a man who once sported the most famous mustache in Philadelphia sports history. We've got Coach Fran Dumphy on. Coach, how are you, man? I'm good, fellas. I'm very good. I didn't know if I deserved that accolade of one of the great mustaches of all time, but I appreciate it. You definitely do deserve that. Do you ever think about bringing it back? You know, uh, ironically, each of the last, since I've lost it, which was in 2011, I think, mm-hmm. I brought it back each and every year for Movember. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't do it this year. I just It just slipped my mind and I figured I can't do a half a job so uh i didn't i didn't do it this year and yeah. nobody seemed to notice when i did it no, nobody seemed to notice it now that i did so we are pre-recording this interview so we're all, we have a producer on the back end who's like uh okay find a picture for him i'm like make sure it's no mustache okay there's a lot of google images with you with mustache we have to make sure we're current we're present we get you with no mustache and the, and the story behind that was deontay christmas right he came back, that graduated, is, and he said, if you come back, graduate, I will shave my mustache, correct? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. So all, I all to Deontay Christmas, number 22 in your program, number one in your heart. <laughs> well, it must be good luck so far because uh, you guys are 3-0 and this year without the mustache. Win over Bucknell last night. Um, congratulations on the start. Um, how are you guys looking at LaSalle this year? You know, we, we've been fortunate. We've had three home games, which has been real nice. Uh, we'll, we'll have one more on Saturday, and then we'll go down to Duke on Tuesday to play. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing okay. You know, obviously well enough that we've uh, been fortunate to win three games. But, you know, we, we can always be better. There's no coach out there saying that, you know, your team is great and perfect. And, you know, we, we still have our, our uh, shortcomings, and we're working on those every single day. And, but I like our group. I like how we play, and I like our intensity. But our defense started to come around well in the uh, latter part of the first half last night. So that, that there's progressions in all of this, and I think we're coming together defensively, which is, in my mind, as important as anything we can do. Well, yeah, Kyle's the temple guy, obviously. <clears throat> he, he to Kyle's the temple guy, obviously. So he's he's much more uh, in tune to what's going on the Big Five than I am. But I can say I like to see all the Big Five teams just win in general, as a neutral. So it's good to see LaSalle three and zero. It's interesting to see Penn beat Villanova the other night in an upset. Um, 
We talk a lot. We talk a lot on the show about just kind of the state of the big five now and the interest in it. And, um, you know, I think that was good the other night seeing that upset shows maybe there's some parody, maybe some interesting things might be happening, maybe some eyeballs on it. Um, what did you make of that result the other night and just sort of the general interest in the in the big five this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that there there is some rejuvenation of sorts in the big five. And and, uh, and I Steve Donahue is one of the best coaches that I know. And so when they uh, did a good job against Villanova the other night, there was no surprise here. Uh, he's got good players. He really is a terrific coach. So it was a great win for Penn. Uh, and I, I think giving, uh, given what I've seen in the past from Steve's teams, again, it was, it was uh, something I enjoyed watching it because of the quality of play and, uh, and Villanova's going to be just fine, by the way. I think they're going to be just fine. They see that Kyle's got some really good kids and they're all coming together. And I, I think they'll have a good season, uh, very much so they'll have a good year. So the thing we're trying to do here is something different in the big five, obviously getting Drexel to be in it uh, and trying this pod system and, uh, and having a, a one day celebration of sorts on December 2nd, I think is great. Uh, let's see how we can do with this. I'm a big trier. Let's try things and see how it works. Uh, so we're obviously married to this for, for two years and, uh, and and let's reevaluate and see where we are. And I guess I'm grateful to the Wells Fargo folks and Comcast Spectacore folks for, for doing this too. And I think they've made it something that we can try to celebrate here because the reality is since 1955, we've done something in, in Philly that no other big major metropolitan area does. And uh, we've, we've done it very well. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to see it go by the wayside. I want to see it flourish and uh, whatever we can do to, to save that is what I'm in favor of. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, I remember some of my most favorite times at Temple was, you know, those big five games going to the palestra You know, a lot of big five games that, that you won and everything. Villanova come to town, you going over to the main line, you going to the palestra, you going down to uh, to Oni and stuff. And, you know, I'm right there with you. And I think it's uh, – I wasn't the biggest fan of it to start, but it kind of grew on me. And like you said, you're a trier, and we got to give it a shot. Um, obviously, parity would be, uh, would be great for it and everything. When you had the opportunity to actually play in the first – uh, big five classic number one championship game at the Wells Fargo center. You guys are going off against temple on November 29th. I believe the winner will, uh, will face Penn. Um, how do you guys, you know, obviously you have a game against Duke coming up too. How do you guys, how do you, how do you keep the guys focused or do you look ahead to that? Or are you just one game at a time kind of? Yeah, I think every coach is like that kind of like, uh, you know, I haven't looked at Southern Indiana. I, I did see Southern Indiana play uh, a little bit on TV versus Michigan state. And uh, was impressed with them at that point, but uh, you know I'm still debriefing from our Bucknell game and doing some of that film work. But later on today, I'll start in on watching the last three or four, or maybe even a couple of tapes from last year on Southern Indiana, so so that we're prepared. It's just we're all a little bit nuts as coaches, and we don't look ahead. We look at the next challenge that's in front of us and that's what is is in front of us so as soon as southern indiana is done on on saturday uh, we will look toward the duke game and and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for our kids to to go there and play at cameron and and uh, and hopefully we can do a good job 
Yeah. Coach, I think the thing that bothered me the most was when you go back to last year, you guys were part of a doubleheader at the Palestra that I want to say had 3,000-some people there. You guys played Temple. Um, St. Joe's played Penn in overtime. Barstool Sports did an invitational tournament at the Wells Fargo Center a couple weeks earlier where they had 5,000-some people. Well, and this was not Kentucky versus Arizona versus Houston versus Oregon, a lot of mid-major teams. I think there's one SEC team in there. I'm sitting there looking at an empty palestra and a doubleheader on a Wednesday night, and this barstool tournament that doesn't have any local teams outdrew that. Um, to me, that was kind of a snapshot of like, okay, so we gotta, something's got to be different here. Something's got to change. Number one, did you feel the same way? And number two, was was there a, one specific sort of catalyst here that said, okay, we're going to this is why we're going to try something different? Yeah, I think there's been talk uh, throughout the big five schools uh, over the last number of years of how we can do this better. I have such great admiration for Jay Wright in so many ways. Obviously did a phenomenal, phenomenal job uh, coaching at, at Villanova. And what he accomplished was extraordinary. Uh, and he's always been in favor of continuing the big five as it's been because he felt it was important. So we were, uh, we were doing all doing that. I think we all felt that way that we did not want this to die in there and things go in cycles. You know, it, it's different. When I was a kid, you, you would have never thought about going away to college. There were so many great choices right here in Philadelphia. That's what we all did. Uh, however, times have changed. Life is different. ESPN has changed everything we've ever, we've done in college basketball. So it's different. Uh, there's so many games where our, every game that we play is on ESPN plus at the, at the minimum. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so is every other division one team. So you can see any games you want on TV. So I think that that diminishes the, the, the site, uh, uh, on site stuff that, uh, you know, people go to games that that's, uh, it's easy to watch it on TV. So it's, it's that way. And, and I don't, I don't think I have my finger totally on the pulse of, of, uh, college students today. I hope I do to an extent because I, I'm with these guys every day and I, I actually help teach a class at LaSalle as I did at Temple, as I did at Penn. Uh, so I, th I think I have a decent feel for it, but kids just don't, they don't do what uh, students in the, there's so many other things to do than when, uh, when college basketball in Philadelphia was in its heyday and there were a lot of people going to the Palestra, uh, which is still one of the great nights that I, that I, in my memories, I, I, st I still like going to the Philadelphia Catholic League playoffs just to sit there yeah, in the cold, watch two great games yeah. and love it. Uh, but it, it's just not, it, it, people are different these days, and uh, we have to we have to figure out how to do this thing better. And this is our try to to do it better. There were a number number of years ago we did it at the Palestra, and everybody thought we would have uh, you know eighty seven hundred people there for six hours or seven hours well it didn't work out that way you know the, the LaSalle folks saw the LaSalle game Temple saw the Temple game and Villanova people saw and that's how it works yeah uh, but so the generic 8700 generic fans are not coming just to watch college basketball as you suggested Kev that <laughs> you're rooting for everybody in the city to to do well and when we and I am uh, I'd like to see everybody do well I know all the coaches. I want to see them be successful. Do I want to beat them when we play them? Of course you do. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, Philadelphia is a unique place. It's a different place. It's a great place. And college basketball in this city has been celebrated for a long, long time. And, and sometimes we get complacent that, you know, it's just the way of the world today. And we'll, 
we'll figure it out. And I think that's more or less what we've done over the last number of years. And I applaud those people within the big five and the, uh, the university administrators to say, let's try something different and let's see what we can do. Yeah, it's funny because I, I mean, Kyle can speak to this probably better than I can, but you know, from an editorial standpoint on the website, Villanova does really well, <clears throat> goes, wins a couple national titles. Kyle's a temple guy. I put that on the site. <clears throat> maybe our temple readers don't necessarily give a shit about Villanova and maybe our Villanova people don't necessarily give a shit about temple. But I, I, I think like these stories of success, at least for the neutrals of which there are many in Philadelphia rise to the top, you know, Tyrone Garland, Southwest Philly floater, Phil Martelli in the press conference out in Spokane asking the reporter with his feet up on the desk if they smoke a lot of weed out there. You know, like these little bits of like random, you know, good t- tournament games or whatever. When I was at Eyewitness News, I mean, when, we, when the teams were were doing well and there were storylines, I mean, people paid attention. Right. Sure. So I guess that's an oversimplified way of saying, you know, if if teams win, people will Pay sure. attention, right? Is is it any more complicated than that? I'm not sure it is. I, I said that to in an interview the other day. Our, our job is to win as many games as we can and put a good product out on the court. You know, and even if it's style of play kinds of things, guys are mm. checking up 45 threes a game, and uh, <laughs> it's different. It's new. It's something different that people maybe want to see. But in the end, uh, the W next to your name means as much as anything else because it. it it, it validates the work that those kids that you coach do every single day. You, you're a West Virginia guy, Kev, I assume? I am, yeah. You see the WV on the football back there. Yeah, Governor Shapiro wasn't a huge fan of that because I think his daughter goes to Pitt. So I kind of <clears throat> took that football and moved it off of the, the thing there. <laughs> yeah, that's the point guard in me was noticing uh, <laughs> West Virginia yeah. football. Yeah, yeah well, I, I watched and not just goes right in front of you. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I watched many Bob Huggins teams where we were, you know, 15 deep and we would just run full court press the uh, the entire time. But 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 to your point, I yes, you know, different styles are interesting. I mean, look at what the Sixers are doing now running up and down the floor. Um, You know, the last two games they played against the Pacers, there's what, 240 some points or whatever. I think you made a good point earlier, coach, about just a lot of different things to do. You know, I think it's a case of oversaturation sometimes, especially in a in a city like this, where it's like, you know, we do like eight to ten stories on the site a day. So we got to do Eagles, right? I mean, the Eagles run the town. You know, we get our Sixers stuff up. We get, you know, Flyers and Phillies. And then, you know, by the time we come back around, it's like, hey, what's the big five topic? What's the thing that everybody's talking talking about? You know, what's one thing that can pull all the neutrals in, you know? And um, I just use good storylines that when they pop up every so often, you know, you need a viral thing or an interesting player or somebody who's doing well. Um, but I hope the new format help helps with that, you know, and I think, I think selfishly, I think Villanova losing helps because it just shows that there's some parody, you know, I mean, it's nobody wants to see the same team just win every single time. So I, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for little interesting storylines and things that I think neutrals will, will find interesting. So many stories out there. Each and every one of our programs has stories within them. Uh, and I know that we're encouraged to tell those stories sometimes, but it's it's an amazing thing that and I go to speak to these groups all the time and I see, you know, there's tables out there in the audience. And I, I'm oftentimes saying to them, I'm talking about cancer or, you know, coaches versus cancer programs or, uh, you know, mental health issues. And I'm saying to the audience, there's there's people at every every table here. Every seat's got a story within it. 
I don't know that we tell them enough. Uh, and I think it's there's some remarkable things going on that we oftentimes don't allow others to hear. And I think it's guys like you that can help in this regard, you know, to ferret that out and to, to tell that story of the kid who has come from a really disadvantaged background, but has made it somehow, some way has made it. We need to tell those stories more than we do. And not only just on teams, they're in the classrooms, they're in, uh, you know, the, the other uh, things that kids do on campuses. And, you know, they have two time jobs just to make ends meet. Things like that, I think, are, are think we all have to tell the story of. Like, I have a number of international kids on my team now. I oftentimes say to them, when I was your age, if you said to me, I have a kid from Serbia, for example, uh, and he's in Philadelphia flourishing, you couldn't take me from Philly to Serbia and say, okay, now you go ahead and survive. I, I would have been calling for my mother the first day I was there. It, it's just <laughs> remarkable to me, some of these uh, things that go on in, in college campuses. And that's why it's so refreshing to be on these campuses because there's so much going on and so many opportunities. But, and, it, and here we are as six division one schools in the city of Philadelphia. And we have all the other division twos and threes that are out there and all the pro teams that are out there that, that people pay so much attention to. So there's so much to do that it's hard to picture that you're going to have you know, 18,000 people for three straight games on December 2nd. It's probably not going to happen that way. However, it's a start. And maybe we can make this thing a, a total event and, and everybody shares in it, not only the six schools, but the, the city itself gets benefited by the uniqueness that we have in Philadelphia where everybody does try to play everybody else. It doesn't happen in D.C. or New York or L.A. or Chicago or what have you, any other big major metropolitan areas, you couldn't do it today. You couldn't even do what we've done in Philadelphia in 1955. You couldn't do that today. Everybody would be worried about themselves. And in 1955, they they all came together, which was an awesome, awesome thing. And Drexel would have been included in 1955 had they been a Division One program, and they were not. Yeah. So it's interesting what we do and what we have. And uh, you know, let's celebrate it rather than letting it go by the wayside. Do you think NIL can help with it? Uh, I, I don't know that, Kyle, to be honest with you. I, I, somebody's going to have to sit me down and tell me how that can, can matter. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think mostly what I'm, I, I mean is like, I always looked at it like I really hated when you guys lost out to guys that were in Philly. Like that really, really grinded my gears. I'm talking like Jaquan Newton, Quad A Green. Like I played in the PCL, so I played against these guys. But like dudes going to Kentucky, dudes going down to Miami, dudes going, you know, somewhere else. And then they would end up back here. Obviously, don't get me wrong. I know recruiting is a tough game. I can't even imagine what you got to go through. But I feel like sometimes keeping those guys, those top, those top recruits from the Philly area in there who might know the big five history and might know a little bit about it you know, could kind of help. And I think that's where, where NIL could, could help as well. Yeah, possibly very much. So I, you know, we're all trying to be in the NIL game. Some are at different levels than others, of course. Uh, and that's just the way of the world. That's what, that's what life is all about. And uh, so uh, it, but it's more likely for kids today to leave, to go somewhere else that's more glamorous than stay in Philadelphia and be with the same folks that you've been with for your first 18, 19 years. So it, it, it's just the way of life. And uh, 
but it'll change. Things will change. The the cycle will go back around again. I think you're going to find some uh, you know players in Philadelphia that, that will decide that they want to play in front of their family and friends, and and they want to play with somebody at another PCL team or another city school high school and they got to know them very well and, and they say to themselves let's make a real let's really make a difference at school x or school y or school z and mm-hmm. hopefully that can happen to us in the future uh, i don't i don't know what the future of nil is you know i, I we still have to figure this out it's we're in a, an interesting time in our lives you know where I, I was listening to somebody say uh you know about transfer portal and those kind of things you know transfer uh, transfer portal is not uh development transfer portal is replacement and that's just the way life is in our in our athletic world these days at at, on the college level so we're going to have to figure it out we don't have a lot of governors on our on our uh, way of doing things these days so you can do whatever you want nil wise and then you can do what and kids can go anywhere. We're in free agency in many ways. Mm-hmm. Somebody doesn't like what the situation they're in, they turn around and go somewhere else. And that's just the way it is. And you can figure all that out. Roster management is interesting, to be honest. So do you think, like, the, the team that will benefit in the future are maybe head coaches or recruiting uh, folks who are really good recruiters and really good managers of of personality like do you see something different going forward for the future like who will because like you said i mean we all have so much access to to everything today you know say you know temple's seven and nine you know and you got a couple guys who are seeing their buddies at kentucky or seeing their buddies down in miami and they're 15 and four they're flying around all over the place they're playing duke they're playing north carolina do you think it's like the future of college basketball are like the people who can manage those expectations in a way and, and, and manage personalities and, and who are, I guess, um, on the cutting edge of, of NIL stuff. I don't know. What, what, what would you think? Yeah, no, I think you're making really good points and, uh, you know, you, it's all encompassing these coaching jobs that are out there these days. You've got to manage your staff, you manage the players, you manage your relationships with, uh, your athletic director and your president and your board of trustees, you got to manage the social media issues that are out there. You got to manage the uh, fans and alums who are supporting the program. There's so many different angles that you go from and you get, you have uh, charity work that you need to do. Let make you sure your kids are out there in the community, making a difference in the community. I think it's all good for everybody, uh, but it's, it's all encompassing. And th- that person that can include a, uh, as many of those kinds of qualities as possible is going to be successful. And then the more you are successful, the more you have a chance to remain successful. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when things don't go so well, you hit a tough spot, you know, it's, it, it costs your program for maybe for a year or two and then until you get it back again. And uh, it's, it's a crazy world we live in and, in one of those shows I was watching, you know, I, I tend not to sleep. So I turn on after I'm done watching my film, I'm, I'm uh, watching sports center or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stories out there of, of, you know, like some football coaches now losing their jobs and uh, it's not easy. It's not now everybody's compensated at a pretty good level and you know what you signed up for. That's not the issue. You know, as soon as you sign those papers, you know, you're in for a whole different world, but that we accept all that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's different. 
One more, one more, Kev. You were out of that world for a second. I mean, you've done everything that a coach in Philadelphia could do. Like I said, tournament appearances, A-10 championships, Coach of the Year awards, and you retired in 2019. Why did you want to come back and coach? Only for my alma mater, to be honest with you, Kev. Mm-hmm. That's I was doing just fine. I was on an NIT selection committee. I was doing uh, ESPN Plus TVs for LaSalle. I was teaching my class. I was picking up my grandson. I, I was playing golf on occasion. I was doing great. Uh, but the alma mater came back and said, would you help us here a little bit? And uh, I eventually said yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an awesome like, – being on a college campus is an awesome, awesome life. And, uh, so uh, just be with these kids or – you know, they're at a very interesting time in their lives. And, uh, you know, you're there to help. And, and, and I hope I help. That's that's the most important thing. I hope that the relationships that you have are things that they can last a lifetime and, and, and that you're doing a good job for them and for your university. And this is my university who gave me a chance oh so many years ago. Well, it's a good story. We're hoping for more stories that we can tell this year, and maybe we'll get some from the new triple header format that's coming to the Wells Fargo Center December 2nd. Again, pod one, Temple LaSalle Drexel, pod two, Villanova St. Joe's Penn, uh, $45 for tickets to all three games. It's $15 a game. It's a pretty good deal if you ask me. Um, and that's where the Big Five champion will be determined. Same day, Big Five triple header at the Wells Fargo Center on on December 2nd. Coach, um, good luck. Good luck with the season. And uh, thanks for your time. And thanks for navigating all of the technical, all of technology in 2023 with us. <laughs> My skipper, Neanderthal, to say the least. But thank you, guys. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. And uh, we we'll see there on December. Cool. I, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Coach. I, I, good luck on the season, except for November 29th. Sorry. Can't root against my owls. You know that. I appreciate that very much. All right. right. There was Coach Fran Dunphy. Um, Thanks for him for coming on. Thanks to Ant for coming on. You got anything else before we uh, we wrap it up? Water dog season? You get the purple and white on? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) All my dogs. Yeah. Well, I hope DMX is their theme song. That's one thing they did. The, they did the announcement. I'm happy that they're here and everything. I think it's cool. I think they're doing a good job. They're still going to do the tour model, even though it's uh, even though they're going to have a home base now is really what they're going to do. They're going to have a home base so that they can kind of like acclimate themselves to the market. So you'll see them down at like Phillies games. You'll probably see them down to the link or something like that. Maybe you'll, you know, one of your kids will be able to shoot in a goal for a prize or something like that. They're doing I think this, is a, this is a good job. This is what, what Craig almost just played there. This is what. I just I, I is is dreams and nightmares becoming the next like Rocky in terms of like everybody uh, yeah. synonymously who's not from here is being like, well, we're doing something with Philly. What should we do? Well, cheese eggs are kind of ever played. Rocky's ever played dreams and nightmares. Let's yeah, do well, dreams and nightmares. Meek kind of sucks anyway. I mean, ah. the maestro ripped him when he got all close with Bob Kraft and the New England Patriots or whatever like. All right, whatever. The guy helped you get out of jail. What, are you a Philly? Are you a true Philly fan? And <laughs> yeah. Well, and why right, you right, back to, right back to Mr. Swift. Did Michael <laughs> yeah. Rubin or Robert Kraft get him out of jail? Any fraud crimes that we don't know about? I believe not. Once again, yeah. the Swifts are all frauds. Select, um, selective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying no, to, good. Get good the, to have uh, yeah. I'm trying to get the Swifties on us so that we can get some uh some generate some pub for this episode and everything. And uh, and double uh, our viewership. Yeah, um, put, uh, throw a, a reel into the water out there to get the Taylor Swift crowd. Get some hate mm-hmm. uh, hate clicks. 
Yeah, they're fucking nuts. Um, okay. Well, awesome. Um, birds, I got I, I got them winning on Sunday. I think revenge is a lot more stronger than uh, Patrick Mahomes' lucky red panties. Eagles 31-30. Just feeling a 31-30 type of game. I think the over wow. hits. I think it's yeah. an over type of game. Yeah. Definitely over there. Um, and you can do all that at ESPN Bet. The link in the description below. Make sure you use promo code BROAD. Click on the link. Promo code blog, broad, excuse me, when you're signing up to register, free $250 in bets. We will talk to you on Monday, um, and I guess we'll preview the birds game a little bit more and everything from the weekend. Have a good rest of the day, and uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you then.